Hello and welcome in to another episode of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the college basketball edition. I am AJ Hoffman. You can follow me on the socials at AJ is the real. He is Griffin Warner. You can follow him at the real underscore G Warner. Was the underscore like a, a necessity? Did someone take the real G Warner? <laughs> uh, thank you for bringing this up. Uh, well, the first ever Twitter account I saw was the real underscore Shaq, and I thought it was funny to go the real underscore G Warner because like there was no fake of me. And by the time I realized this Twitter thing with a little bird icon, now whatever we call it, is going to be cool. I went to go change it, and Griffin was taken. Griff, like everything I could think of was gone, so Damn. I just left it gotcha. as is, and now I'm stuck trying to be the real Shaq, except slightly different body type. Fair enough. All right, we normally have four big games that we're going to talk to you about over the weekend, but Griffin has decided that one of those four big games that I selected is going to be his best bet. So we're going to have three big games. And then we're going to get to best bets, and Griffin's going to tell you about one of the big. That means great news. Griffin's not going like Griffin's not an asshole like me, who's going to make you bet on <laughs> Ivy League basketball. Not only Ivy League basketball, but like when we recorded last weekend, it was like I'm going to give you a. There's Friday Saturday basketball for the Ivy League. I'm going to give you a Saturday play. I don't even know what happens on Friday, but let's bet the Saturday game. I don't know how many people were like, dude, really? Really? You're betting the Saturday? Really? I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I didn't know that, that was – you were getting a lot of flack for hey, that? People were annoyed. I'm not going to lie. But that's okay. It was a winner. That's what matters, right? I mean, oh, my God. Like, if you get a free meal, do you then say, oh, sorry, it was a cheeseburger instead <laughs> I, of a chicken sandwich? I don't know. Like, what's going on I here? don't know. But listen, it was a winner. I take winners around here. That's what I'm about is winners. And I mean, when you walk to the, the guy at the counter, lady, whatever, the, the, they, them, whoever, when you go hand them a ticket and they give you money back, usually people are thankful. I would that. think I thought I would. I'm usually happy. So and you know what? Got a winner on my total this week. Barely. Uh, hey, it, it, doesn't matter. It, did they did the ticket person pay it out? They think St. Mary's they was St. Mary's did their job. If it were a first half under, it would have won by a million. Second mm. half was a little sweaty. And St. <laughs> Mary's, the problem with St. Mary's unders is when they're abusing a team, which they were doing in this situation to Portland, for some reason, they still like to shoot threes when they're up 30 with like two minutes left. They're just like, we don't care. We're, we're insulting you. Which makes it scary for a total. Get those numbers up for seeding, yeah. you know. But we got the win, and that's all that really matters here, in my opinion. If, you're, if we're given winners, we're given winners, and that was a winner. All right, we are going to get started, and we're going to skip what I had listed as the first game because, again, this is Griffin's best bet. Which means there we go. I, <laughs> I'm curious. I'll be honest. When you said this, I said, "Ooh, I'm I might want to push back." But again, it, it, we'll 
we'll discuss why I won't push back uh, when we get to that point. No, you can't. You can't. Well, back. I'll push yeah. back, but then I'll I'll give the reasoning of why I'm like I'm not going to bet against you because it would be stupid to bet against you. To be honest, in this situation, I mean, it's it's just you'd be winning forty percent of your bets so far. Exactly. This uh, if if that's what you'd like, and that's, that's fine. It's hard to go against that. Uh, let's go with a game that really makes no sense at all, but I am glad that it's happening. <laughs> because it's funny when I sent you the numbers over today, you were like, why the hell is that game happening? Gonzaga in the middle of their conference schedule out of the blue, they played Portland this week and they're playing Loyola next week. And they said, you know what? This weekend, let's go to fucking Rupp arena and play Kentucky. And that's what they're doing. Friend. They are headed to Kentucky, the bluegrass state, and we're going to go Gonzaga, a four-and-a-half-point dog at the Wildcats. Let's discuss. Let's talk about why this game's happening, first of all, although I don't, I think neither one of us really know the answer. My initial thought was maybe this game was scheduled to happen and COVID knocked I, it off. I mean, I literally thought I was like, Gonzaga's like, oh, my God, we might not get in the tournament. Let's schedule this ridiculous game and if we could somehow get a win because the loss isn't going to hurt uh, us. I mean, okay, so this is the other thing. How important is this game to Gonzaga? Because they have had now, I want to say, five opportunities at Q1 wins. It was they were they were against Purdue, Washington, UConn, San Diego State, and St. Mary's lost all of them. This if if Gonzaga can get a road win at Kentucky. Which again, we'll make this number uh, four and a half, uh, maybe five, closer to five on Kentucky. Kentucky's lost two straight home games. They're not unstoppable at home. They lost to Florida and Tennessee. Tennessee is very, very good. Florida is, I don't know how much better Florida is than Gonzaga. Um, how big of a win would this be for the Zags? And Gonzaga is coming off essentially a an assault of Portland. Is this is this a random scheduling spot a good thing or a bad thing for Kentucky? Or uh, I guess for Kentucky or Gonzaga, how do you think this game plays out? And does this Gonzaga team that the big question was in the in the at the beginning of the season is man can this team score enough? I don't think Kentucky's going to have a problem letting Gonzaga score. Kentucky lets everyone score. The question is, can Gonzaga stop Kentucky at all? I'm curious your thoughts on this game. I do find this to be one of the more fascinating games of the week. I mean, I'm just interested in it at, from a scheduling standpoint, as we already talked about. But uh, Gonzaga, currently their best win on their on their schedule is Yale and their opener uh, at home, I, I guess, closely followed by a home win against San Francisco. Uh, yeah. I, I mean – to me, that's not a tournament resume, especially in the WCC, unless they can somehow win at St. Mary's, which seems like that might not happen. And a loss at San Francisco could be really damaging for them as well. Uh, this is, I mean, a big test because Jay Billis and literally everyone is saying how Gonzaga is the best team in the world. And they've gotten one seeds and they've gotten really easy pass at almost national championships. And it's hard to argue with their performance in the tournament, but they've gotten great seeds and great paths. So, and being in the West so many years when the West was so down was also really helpful. Um, in terms of this, I mean, this game is huge for them because it gives them an opportunity that they wouldn't have the WCC. Uh, 
I'm almost like tempted to say this is brilliant scheduling because I mean, the loss doesn't hurt them so bad. It only probably raises their strength of schedule and they're not in like in a risk or they're not risking finishing 500 and basically disqualifying themselves from the tournament. So this is basically a, a win-win situation or just not a lose situation. So I think that's great. Um, what I don't think is great is Gonzaga as a basketball team. They've got expectations and to me, a four and a half number is lower than I'd make it. And I'm usually, unfortunately, a little bit lower on, on the underdogs because it's just how I'm wired. But, uh, Kentucky has had defensive problems. Yes, but I don't know that Gonzaga can really exploit them unless they're just going to pound the ball inside. And that's to me, a problematic experience now with Kentucky having two seven foot bigs and then another one that's on the bench as well. If he's gotten over his like mononucleosis or whatever little, uh, disease he had that, that kept him out of Tennessee. So I, I don't really know why this game's happening, but it's, I think it's great for Gonzaga, but I think it's also potentially going to open the eyes to the committee and give us another data point that uh, Gonzaga is not very good. Yeah, I'm. I'm not as. I, I mean, listen. I don't think Gonzaga is very good. I agree with that. But I do think Gonzaga is in a situation where now they're maybe a little even underrated. Um, because to be quite honest, I'm not sure Kentucky's any good. <laughs> like uh, losing again. We we talk about the home road splits, and at the beginning of the year when this team lost to UNC Wilmington at home, I was like, well. Wilmington's a really good mid-major. It's not like a dreadful loss. But, I mean, now they've lost like multiple games at Rupp. And quite honestly, Gonzaga's better than Florida. They're better than Wilmington. They're not better than Tennessee, but Tennessee absolutely obliterated Kentucky at home. Like, I, I don't really know how good this Kentucky team is. And if... I think if you're giving me more than a possession, I'm interested in Gonzaga. I do think this is a desperation spot for them. Um, I watching Gonzaga as someone who I had Gonzaga minus 26 uh, on Wednesday. As we record this on Thursday, uh, I, I bet that on Tuesday night, and I woke up and it was like 29, and I was like, "Ooh, thank goodness I got that early number." Hmm. And Gonzaga won by like 31 or 32. It didn't matter. Every every Gonzaga number one. They are so efficient at the rim. And that is where Kentucky's defense is absolutely questionable, is at the rim. And Kentucky's offense, I, I mean, again, they're they've they've shot the ball really well this season. And uh but the question to me is can Reed Shepard continue to shoot at like a 50-something percent clip from three for the season. Is Rob Dilling, right. is Rob Dillingham going to shoot 45% all year? Is Antonio Reeves going to shoot 45% all year? None of that seems real to me. So I think there's got to be some kind of regression. I I think I, – I mean, I, I generally agree with you. I don't think Gonzaga is very good. I really don't. But I, I also think that Kentucky – is maybe in a situation where they've gotten to be a little overhyped, you know, laying this kind of number at home when they've shown to be vulnerable at home. And I think more for Kentucky, I mean, these SEC wins matter more than anything. Gonzaga, this is this is the game. This is a game that can really decide what happens with it. Because we what we know with Gonzaga is for the rest of the season, the likelihood that they are going to – they're playing – their last two games are in doubt. San Francisco and St. Mary's on the road. Those two games are in doubt. 
the rest of their schedule between the Kentucky game and those two games is not in doubt. I, I don't care where the games are played. I don't care what the spread is. I, I would bet I would bet my kid that can, that Gonzaga goes four and zero in those games. Gonzaga has absolutely dominated the the soft part of the of this WCC. Still, the question is, can they hang with the big dogs? They beat San Francisco at home. You mentioned probably their best win this season. Can they do it on the road? I don't know. It, it's going to be it, I, that may be a spot where I'd look to fade them. Can they win at St. Mary's? St. Mary's seems pretty damn good. I'd say probably not. This win is important to them. I, I think you get their best effort. I I think this game matters more to Gonzaga than it does to Kentucky. And just the, the recent vulnerability at home makes me feel like maybe Gonzaga catching more than a possession on the road is is worth a, a, a shot here. So I, I, I think we're going to disagree on this one, which generally happens when there's a, a – you know, a, a road dog and that's not super long. I know you don't like to bet road teams. I'm okay with road teams and situations. Uh, this is a situation where I'm okay with one. Um, so I, I think I'd back Gonzaga here, especially out, outside of four. I'm just not willing to put any family members on the line because trips to Gersten Pavilion with the palm trees on the Loyola Marymount court, just yeah. to me, doesn't always feel give. I mean, yes, Gonzaga's killed them in the past. I was gonna say, sure, I don't think in my in my kid's lifetime, I don't think Gonzaga's lost there. So, <laughs> I, I feel like Gonzaga. I mean, the rest of the schedule, they're going to be a thirty, a eighteen, and a sixteen point favorite. Yeah. So they should be pretty good. I mean, Herb Sendak has pulled off some upsets in his days, specifically in his NC State days as well. I, I just think in, in terms of this game, Gonzaga is going to what should be a pretty tough environment. Um, arguably, this game matters more to Gonzaga for getting into the tournament, but they're not used to that pressure. No. And I feel like Kentucky with a big crowd coming off a pretty disappointing uh, week where they lost to both Florida and Tennessee at home, which I feel like they had a nice bounce back at Vanderbilt. But uh, I don't know. I'm not sure that says anything, unfortunately. <laughs> it does not. Um, I, I just I think there's a lot to be learned about both of these teams. And unfortunately, or fortunately, they can't, they both can't lose um, because I, I think we both would expect them to really f- kind of flop in one of these situations. Uh, a close loss for Gonzaga doesn't really do it. I imagine this is the best effort that Gonzaga will give, as you mentioned, with this being a big, big game for them and getting into the tournament. So I feel like if this is a spot where like Gonzaga doesn't show up, then we might not really see them much to the rest of the season. If they do get a win here, I just feel like, especially in terms of Kentucky's usually over bet because they have such a big fan base, but I feel like Gonzaga, sure. that name is so valuable that I, I just don't really know that we're getting any sort of cheap prices um, on either of these teams. So it probably should be a, it probably should be a pretty fair line. And uh, I'll, I'll side with the home team though. I, I certainly understand the the questions about Kentucky so far this season. All right, let's go to the big 12. Baylor is at Kansas. We're going to project the Jayhawks about a four and a half point home favorite and Kansas just, they were a home dog for, I think the fourth time, in the last 20 years, if I'm not mistaken. How'd that go, AJ? Uh, it went about the way we thought it would go, and Kansas got themselves an outright win. I I just can't imagine a world where I'd be like, yeah, I'll bet against Kansas at home as a dog. Like That's crazy to me. Here we get Kansas at home. Um, Baylor is a team that I feel like I have supported more than the market has. And quite honestly, it's done me it's done me well. 
Um, they've been a, a, a short favorite a couple times. Like they were a short favorite against Texas Tech on Tuesday, and they, they got the job done. Uh, I think this Baylor team is better than people think. They they had the 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 stretch of losses where it was Kansas State, Texas, and TCU, and two of those games were in overtime. One of them was in triple overtime against TCU. The Texas game was about as close as you can get in Austin. They lost all three of those games, but I think if they if they win one of those games, I think we think of Baylor differently, and uh, it it feels like people are suddenly out on this Baylor team and uh, let's face it I I think we talked about this last week I lost on the Baylor Iowa State game because Scott Drew caught got called for technical that I've never seen called on a head coach before he Scott Drew got ejected from a game for something I've never seen a coach get ejected for like it's very difficult to get ejected for leaving the coaching box unless you do like what Kelvin Sampson did and like <laughs> run across the floor onto the court and basically like wave your when arm. he was up twenty points yeah. like that that one is head he knew he was getting yeah, kicked Scott out Scott Drew praying yeah I mean yeah. Scott Drew like wow. took two steps past the line and they were like you're out of here pal I think he was on a knee also like I don't know if he was praying or what he was doing necessarily but yeah some stickler referees that well night. he wasn't praying for Baylor minus three I can tell you that as they only won by two uh. <laughs> I'm curious your thoughts on where these two teams are at right now. Do, is Baylor is for, let me ask you this: Is Baylor a national championship contender? I want to know that question because I kind of think they are, and I think I'm in a very it seems like a minority that thinks they are. And with Kansas after after that incredible Houston win, they lose to Kansas State on the road. I'm curious your thoughts on this game. I I, I think I. I'm almost certain I'm going to sit this out because my inclination is to bet Baylor. And as I've said before, I don't want to bet Kansas. I don't want to get bet against Kansas at fog. So I'm I'm likely out on this game, but I'm, I want to see if you've got a, a great angle here. I mean, you are certainly, I mean, I feel like of this two person podcast, you are alone on the Baylor could win the national championship bandwagon, but they do have a good coaching staff. Good, great coach. And some players like Yves Misi who are going to be a ton better than they they are even now uh, in March or April, depending how far they go. Um, I, I think I'm with you that Baylor has really struggled in the series for a long time, but also Baylor was like literally the most rebuild of rebuild programs when players were killing each other and things like yeah. that. And coaches were covering it for them saying they were drug dealers. Like amazing to see what Scott Drew has done for this university and for this program. Um I think they've won once at the Fog, but that's not saying really anything because you could argue. I don't think Oklahoma's won there and forever, so like I, maybe ever. Um, so there's a lot of those that are out there, and, and I feel like looking to history doesn't make a ton of sense because Baylor is such a better program now than they were then. Um, from a, a, I just don't think Baylor's good enough defensively to win the national championship. Of course, if you go make a ton of threes, you can beat anybody, and uh, you never know where the chips may fall with how many upsets are around you in your brackets. Uh, work for Gonzaga a lot of times until they ran into this Baylor team in the national championship way back when, I think, the COVID year. Um, but it's like one of those where I don't see it happening. But once you get brackets, like honestly, there there are just perfect highways that are like paved roads that are ready for everyone to go, and some are easier than others, et cetera, et cetera. My biggest concern though with Big Twelve teams is that they're going to be underseeded just because they can't possibly get out of this conference with five losses, like a lot of others, and like UNC might have or something like that, assuming they don't actually play real teams. 
like the rest of the ACC. Uh, from a Kansas perspective, I, I feel like it's really tough spot to to back them at home after they just uh, pretty much controlled a Houston team that everyone had favored, everyone was in love with. All I mean, number one team across all the analytics sites, and obviously with all their expectations and respect that they've gotten over the years. Um, but I just feel like fading KU at the fog is just a really tough thing because they can have those incredible three-point shooting starts or full games that can really get them way ahead and have them kind of running away. And what I think Baylor will try to do is try to stem the momentum or call use a bunch of timeouts to kind of stop that from occurring. But I worry that Baylor's defense is not strong enough to uh, prevent open shots. Johnny Furphy's shown up. That's a, an important other kind of option for KU because they, I think you've said a lot in this podcast that KU is just really limited to, to really two players, Hunter Dickinson and Kevin McCuller. Uh, Dewan Harris seems all right. And then they're getting a little bit like the glue guy type of performances from KJ Adams. Incredible that they went to him with a, for a dunk to send it to overtime at Kansas state midweek. And, what and, a weird game that was, by the way. And, and Johnny Furphy, since he's been in the lineup, with the exception of the loss at Kansas state has been super solid. Like he was a real reason why they beat UH. Uh, maybe, I mean, he was the Ken Palm MVP in that game. So the, the Australian freshman has been very good uh, and given them kind of a dimension that I didn't, I didn't know if they would have uh, and, and given them an extra rebounder. So that uh, he, he certainly made things interesting. So like, while I was kind of shitting on their depth and, and saying they, they don't have any other good players, it looks like a couple of those guys are starting to step up and they, they heard the the chatter and were like, because obviously Johnny Furphy's been listening to my show to this podcast <laughs> yes, and said, yes, you know what, yes, I've got yes. to really step my game up. And he has. Yeah, I, I added him and uh, he was <laughs> like, oh, my God, can't believe it. Uh he, must, he also called me a Kiwi. No way. Um, I don't think I don't think you actually did that. But I mean, looking at KU's depth, I mean, they've got five ish, four starters with now Furphy five. And then they've got five fouls behind Hunter Dickinson in Brown uh, transfer from Santa Clara. Speaking of West Coast Conference teams, uh, Timberlake, who comes in and looks like a disaster every time he's on the floor. So like. They're really thin. The nice part is that they play in a building that shakes. They have a huge crowd fan base that I'm expecting to go there in two weekends. Nice. Uh, that's the plan. Uh, if I can make it all happen. Uh, and then last time Texas is going, so I might as well go see a, a burial. But uh, I feel like at this point, it's, it's, it's really just, I'm back in KU at home until something changes. I mean, they're probably out of my price range as the seven point favorite or so that we might be seeing here. Um, and I'm curious to see how Baylor does because Kansas has not been infallible at home. TCU's gone in there and run around the gym, I think last season. Uh, and then Baylor's had good success, but has also struggled to hold on to leads there. So um, you c I can see this game going a lot of ways. I, I just feel like in general, this doesn't feel like one of those. I feel confident enough to uh, throw my, put my money where my mouth is and, and back a road dog entering into Fog Allen Fieldhouse. All right, let's take a look out at the Pac-12 where Arizona is at Colorado. And Arizona got a narrow, narrow, narrow road cover uh, at Utah. And I'll say this. The first thing I thought was when – and that was tonight. Uh, as we Again, as we record this Thursday night, Arizona was a five-and-a-half-point favorite at Utah. They won that game by six points. Um, so – Again, a, a very narrow cover. How many overtimes? Uh, that was, I'm pretty sure, a 40-minute collegiate basketball matchup. 
uh, Arizona at. Oh no, Utah it was tonight, it was a one, right? no it, no it was three overtimes. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it yeah it, it was yeah yes. three overtime. Not game. only did Utah cover forty minutes, forty five minutes, fifty. They were covering minutes. the whole game. Oh my god! What yeah, a, they, what a brutal. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, backers. Sorry, I don't I don't know why yeah. I said oh, how long was that game, and my thought was oh, it's a, a basketball game, but no, yeah, it was a three overtime <laughs> sorry, game. Sorry, uh, and you're right. Yeah. You, like I, it's so funny. I wanted to bet Utah so bad. And well, at halftime, it felt like I and I was watching that game, and at halftime, it was like, oh, thank God, I didn't bet Utah. I, it looked like Arizona was going to just run them out. And the second half, Utah controlled the game, and obviously goes to overtime again and again and again. And in the third overtime, a six point win on a five and a half point dog—that is a tough beat to swallow. I'm RJ Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas and they got a water bottle and they got like a salary chopped up. And let's forget about them because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1, but I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1 and all of a sudden you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against? With pick six, you're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. But that makes me more and more interested in Colorado here as, first of all, I think it's it's very, very difficult to sweep this road trip in the Pac-12. Um, Hardest one in this, in this sport, I think. I, I think so. And Arizona's a team that's been shaky at best on the road. And I, I, 
again, as, as we were watching this game tonight, I was like, oh, they're they're about to they're going to lose this game. They're going to lose this game. Arizona's not as good as they were a year ago. I, I don't think Arizona's bad by any stretch, but Colorado at home, much like Utah, is just a force. And they blew out Arizona State tonight. Um, I I think it is going to have to be home dog or pass for me. I'm sure this one's super comfortable for you. The question is <laughs> if if we're just talking about a two point spread, which is kind of what I project here, Colorado plus two, is that enough for you against a team that's certainly got a lot more talent in Arizona? Although I do think that coming off triple overtime, you generally want to fade that team anyway. Uh, particularly on, on this mountain trip, like it, it talk, is there a reason why you you don't want to back the Buffaloes here? It's just really I'm laughing because I mean we've been doing this podcast a while. We do chat fairly fairly yeah. frequently. I think you'd say during the college basketball season, but I don't even need to say anything. I mean, there's no number here with a plus sign in front of it that is too small for me. Um, let's also not forget, and I know this very very it hits very close to home because I bet Colorado with kind of ran out of time and was rushing into it. Didn't really have a great feel for injuries uh, and absentees on their trip to Arizona where they lost by a whopping 47 (laughs) points. So if there's ever a chance for some potential redemption uh, coming off, uh, well, on the hardest road trip, uh, Pac-12 schools are unlike any other. You play two road games in a week. I mean, that is a grueling schedule, and I feel like has been really cool. And like, I kind of respect it. And I don't know if that's like a climate pledge thing or whatever. I'm not trying to get political, but uh, that's a really tough thing to do to teams because most teams in every other conference they go home for a game and they play on the road a game, home a game, road a game. Or, like maybe there's sometimes a little bit different in the schedules there, but this is like every week. It's it's you're either home or you're away in the Pac-12. And that's been a really tough road trip, especially the second leg going to altitude. I don't know exactly where Tucson is in terms of of altitude, but I imagine that's uh, far less than anything in the Rocky Mountains, high in the Rockies. So um, there's a lot there pointing towards Colorado. Uh, I feel like they, uh, I mean, if you look at their schedule, I'm trying to find a home loss. I haven't found one yet, and I'm about to be at the top of their schedule. So uh, it certainly, they haven't had a ton of incredibly difficult uh, teams in there because you can argue the Pac-12 is pretty weak as well. But uh, it's a good team that's fighting for a tournament berth. Uh, I've seen Arizona struggle, and I just – I mean, they seem to be a juggernaut at home, but they also gave up a ton of threes to a, a, a kind of a, a perimeter-playing center and Maxime Renault for Stanford. Just a, I think you talked about it on a, a couple shows ago. It might have been even on, on our last podcast we did on Sunday. So I'm looking for any number here. Plus two feels good enough for me for Colorado. Um, it was actually close to being one of my best bets as well, uh, hearing that Arizona was in double overtime. But going to triple overtime, having to make this road trip – Uh, I feel like there's a rest advantage on the Colorado side and there's a big revenge type of factor here. So give me the buffs, anything with a plus. Uh, I don't know that I'd be interested in laying points with them, but I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. And, and even then I still, I still might. If you didn't have to lay, I mean, if you were catching five and a half with Utah tonight, you're not going to, you're not going to have to lay buff, lay, lay points with Colorado. There's, there's no way. 
because they were basically rated the same. Utah's p- pretty much a home court advantage favorite over over yeah. Colorado last week. So yeah, I mean, I expect them to be an underdog, um, but I, I I don't think that even laying three points would potentially keep me off of Colorado. That would be a, a weird parallel universe that probably is not one we're living in. But uh, it wouldn't. Spoil. All right, before we get into best bets, Griffin, let's tell the people how they can save some money at pregame.com. Yeah, let's get in there and use promo codes. I swear these are built for college basketball and the college <laughs> basketball podcast. Uh, but use the promo code slash 15. I guess we're slashing uh, $15 off on or we're slashing to the hoop, as I think you mentioned pre-show when I can confirm that these are what we're using <laughs> slash 15 good for 15 dollars off for all listeners of this college basketball podcast good for seven days from the podcast release so you got until a little bit after valentine's day but you might as well jump in on this saturday weekend and we also have this thing called the super bowl this weekend i think I'm we like sure to call Taylor it the big Swift game props are out there oh oh sorry uh, my yeah bad. yeah i hope we don't have to edit this <laughs> yeah sorry now we're banned from the, the airwaves sorry apple podcast or wherever you're listening to this thank you please like subscribe give us five stars all that sort of stuff uh at least before they take the show down but yes the big game uh is this sunday as well I've got plenty of handicappers with picks out there i actually need to get mine in and i think i'm going to go through this prop calendar just figure out who exactly what gatorade color everything like that to figure out who probably not allowed to say Gatorade. i think you either. can so say gatorade whatever or g just say g drink yeah, whatever the real G Warner drink or something like that on Twitter, that all that sort of stuff. Use the promo code slash 15, good for $15 off for all listeners of this college basketball podcast. And we get a little credit for using it. Our bosses like us a little bit more and potentially maybe do more of these podcasts and more time of AJ and I spending together each week, maybe next year. We'll see. Uh, he probably doesn't want that. But anyway, you slash 15. Say 15. Was this an, did you win your best bet too? Was this another 2-0 and week for us? Uh, I did not win my best bet. It pushed. It pushed. It pushed. So So it was a perfect week. I had Xavier minus three. Uh, That's right. Seemed to be a a number that stuck. uh, Didn't really move off of it, which was weird to me for a while. And uh, Xavier, I mean, you could say back and forth to say the least of that game. But uh, Xavier up three with 13 or so seconds left. Villanova had the ball. Do you remember? Yeah. Let me tell you this. I, I, I want in my mind, if I watched that game a hundred times, I would say, Man, you're lucky you pushed that game. The truth is, that possession for Villanova at the end of the Xavier game is exactly <laughs> why I sit on this podcast and make fun of Kyle Neptune. That is what Villanova is. They, that is like that possession, it, it like. I don't know how you can watch this. Can you go to it? Like it was on Fox. I don't know how you can watch the game now. Well, get ready because Fox. I like to watch things on on delay, but Fox takes things down within two days. So if you're if you're not oh. watching it live, it's on Fox. You better jump on there ASAP because I can't tell you how many YouTube clips I've had to watch with replays that only show Xavier's like offensive baskets or something like that to get me any sort of update on a game I just bet go, on, which is really infuriating. Uh, don't get me go started. to Twitter anywhere and try to find the end game of Xavier Villanova, and you're going to go how. Is Kyle Neptune employed by Villanova University? Because that was a Kyle Neptune possession. But you know what? We'll take a push. And uh, one zero and one. I mean, at that point, you're right. I'll take a push. I mean, perfect week for the podcast, a perfect episode, which was huge. I like drawing up a play for Brendan Housen, who I, I can't say I, I could even spell his first name. wasn't sure if it was E N or, or A N. Um, and then having him basically be like, I can't shoot this. I barely play. Let's give it to Michael Dixon, a six foot eight, two hundred fifty pounder. 
who didn't want to shoot and with Usman in his face either. I mean, what a incredible ending. Like, it's not like there's two seconds left, but to not get a, a shot off. I, I thought Sean Miller might foul, and then I might be able to get a little bit uh, lucky on a, a offensive or a defensive rebound, get fouled and make a free throw or two to close it out. But uh, I'll take a push. It's like a free movie. Uh, basically got to, got to sweat, have a nice little sweat out there. And I uh, got all my money returned to me. So uh, no plus, no minus. All right. I, I will take the lead on this week's best bet. And I'm going to go with Corn, who I, I, Nebraska, I feel like I've bet on Nebraska on this pod. I don't even really like this Nebraska team. I've bet on them probably three or four times on this pod. I feel like they, it, even though I don't love this team, I, I feel like we keep getting good numbers on them. Like nobody wants to believe in uh, Fred Hoiberg's team here. And here they're about, I'm going to project a six and a half, seven point favorite over Michigan. And I'm going to lay the wood with Nebraska, mostly because, first of all, Nebraska is so much better at home than they are on the road. They're coming off two straight losses. And in those two losses, like they almost won that game at Illinois. Like you could argue they should have won that game at Illinois. Um, they should have won a road game at Rutgers. Like they, they've been, they've competed on the road in a way that a lot of Big Ten teams just haven't competed on the road. But they are just a, a world beater at home. I mean, they beat Wisconsin at home. Uh, they beat Northwestern at home. They beat Purdue at home. They've got one home loss this season. It was to Creighton, their in-state rival, which for Creighton isn't really a road game. And there were probably more Creighton fans at that game than there were Nebraska fans, to be quite honest. And here we get this Michigan team in a rare sell-high spot this season. They had lost five straight games. They get a home win, and now they're back on the road. Uh, they have not been good on the road in Big Ten play. Uh, I mean, they they got blown out at Michigan State, and I, Michigan State may be you know, one of – for a team that is rated top 20 in Ken Palm, like Michigan State's one of those teams. Like, if you're losing by 20 points to Michigan State, there's a problem. I'm not saying Michigan State's awful, but if Michigan State's offense is is beating you by 20 points, there's a real issue here. I think Michigan has real, real issues. They're coming off the biggest win they're probably going to have all season at home against Wisconsin. Great win. Don't get me wrong. But I do think now going back on the road against a team that's been very difficult to beat in their house in Nebraska, a very good shooting team. And I really think my whole thought was, man, this Bryce Williams rink mask combo is get that like however good they are. That's what's going to that's what's going to decide how good Nebraska is. I did not see the explosion of Casey Tominaga that we've seen and it's not like Casey Tominaga is just showing up the guy's been there this is his third year at Nebraska this feels like a totally different dude this feels like a game-changing type of player right now um he's he's shooting almost 40 percent from three I, I just think that in this spot again I don't know if Nebraska is a tournament team I think they're going to be borderline one way or the other but these are the types of games all season long that they've just handled their business and against better teams. Like again, if, if they were beating Wisconsin by eight points, uh, they were beating Ohio State by double digits, they were beating Northwestern by six, seven points. Those are those are teams that are way better than this Michigan team, which is maybe now. I, I don't know. Like, is Michigan the worst team? 
in the Big Ten. They're in the discussion. Looks like a record. They're in the discussion for worst team in the Big Ten. But this is an opportunity for us because of I still think the preseason expectations on Michigan, where they were a top, you know, top forty-five, top fifty team in Ken Palm. Uh, now they're they're barely hanging on in the top one hundred. We're still getting a little bit of a discount by playing against them here. So I'm going to go with Corn, my Corn Boys minus seven hosting Michigan. Where are you going for your best bet? Well, I'd like. I'd like I'd like to say they are the corn boys of the uh, straight out of Vegas AM uh, pregame college basketball podcast because I've bet Nebraska at home Let's in the last go. three home games. I've bet them in I believe four of their home games. Uh, what they really need to get in that tournament discussion is Kansas State to keep winning because that was their lone road win this season. And I don't know, maybe to pick up a road win at Indiana is going to be tough. At Ohio State, maybe is their best chance or that final game at Michigan. Um, they're, I think they're good. I think Nebraska, no one goes into the vault as they're calling it now or pinnacle bank arena and steals a victory, uh, especially Michigan with that, uh, hot shot NBA assistant, uh, Juwan Howard, who now looks like he might be losing his job this year. At least I probably would make that move considering what happens off the court, which has been an actual absolute carnival comedy show, clown show, whatever you want to call it. It's a circus maybe is a better way to put it. Uh, I like Nebraska. I think it's probably bigger priced than I'm usually comfortable yeah. with, but uh, I don't see Michigan going in there getting a win. So good luck uh, with them playing that foul game late, just hang around if they can even hang around. Uh, for my best bet, I'm going to go with the Michigan State Spartans. I know you had outlined this as one of our potential games. Want to talk about it, or how, how do you want me to just want to? You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna let you let you shoot your shot, and I'll I'll uh, I'll riff off what you got. Okay, so Michigan State watched them very closely in a game at Minnesota this weekend or midweek. Um, They were leading for a lot of the game and Minnesota, I don't really know how they do it, but they have some patented second half runs. They did one to close out the first half, which I mean is honestly the same script as they've played against multiple teams this year. Uh, I feel like Northwestern was exactly that way last weekend. But for me, Michigan State, I mean, they, they've gotten a lot of respect, I feel like, in the marketplace, being a pretty small underdog on the road at Wisconsin, uh, despite losing them in their first matchup, and then going on the road were favorite at Minnesota. Um, s- same things there. And I feel like going back to President Center, they're a much different team. I feel like they're really relying on three-point shot at times, but really they're most important. Most important thing for Michigan State and Tom Izzo now, to me, is just beating the other team down the floor. I feel like it's much easier to do at home because your opponent's less likely to make jump shots. And I haven't had a ton of success fading Illinois so far this season, but I just don't really think that Illinois deserves where they are in the Big Twelve or excuse me, the Big Ten standings. And I feel like their climb to basically being now the biggest challenger to Purdue is putting them at a little bit of. Uh, you're basically paying a premium to back them. And I feel like Michigan, yeah, something like that. And so Michigan state, I think I was expecting a two to three point favorite. You gave me three, um, pretty much anything I'm playing up to four points. Now I've, I've decided to add that extra point of willingness, um, just because I feel like home courts that much more of an advantage, uh, in the big, big 10, especially, I feel like it's the most important big, uh, really uh, home court advantage in all of the leagues out there. Um, generally, I, I skew to home teams. It's been something that's been working for me the last couple of seasons, but I feel like it's one of those games where it's an early start and I, I feel like Illinois struggles to get into gear. And I, I feel like this is one of those games that Illinois lost. They don't want to take, but they can. And Michigan State will be much hungrier, especially after giving the one away on the road at Minnesota. Yeah, generally my thought too, uh, I backed Minnesota uh, and got got paid off for it. This Illinois team, when, when you look at their – like. 
the Big Ten home road splits are absurd. We know that. Illinois is one of the teams that has, I mean, they've got some some road wins and really road blowouts. But when you dig in and you say, okay, who are their who are their road wins? They beat Rutgers, who is I don't know if Rutgers is is bad. I don't first of all, Rutgers not they're not good. And I mean they're right. at a at a minimum, they're one dimensional. They they blew out Ohio State, who I don't think is any good, and they blew out Michigan, who I just told you is is no good, particularly on the road. So while any team that's got three Big Ten road wins is like, wow, that's impressive. I don't know that they've got a Big Ten road win that I that I would look at and go, hmm, okay, that's nice. They, I mean, they're beating the dregs of the Big Ten on, on the road. Whatever you think about Michigan State, and I think Michigan State has real issues as far as who do you trust to score outside of Tyson Walker? Because if you say AJ Hogard, you're lying because you don't trust him. No one trusts AJ Hogard. Um, but I, I do think that they're at least solid enough that we can't consider them the bottom tier of this team or, or of this league. And if they're not a bottom tier of the big 10 team, I'm not going to fade them at home. So uh, I, I, I generally agree with where you're going with this pick. Yeah, I feel like it's we're at a point now in the season as well. Unfortunately, it was a few months. I mean, November to February to me or really towards conference play and maybe a little bit into it. You get some cheap home teams that are actually really good, uh, but are underpriced because of preseason expectations, because Ken Palm includes last year's numbers in his metrics, all those sort of things. Uh, and that's why you see a bunch of lines moving. I feel like we're now at a point in the year where lines are what they are. They're not going to be jumping three points from open. And so really what we're trying to then find, it's kind of a transition period where you're looking for teams that are somewhat flawed, as you mentioned, but do have good home courts or do have some sort of thing about them that maybe is undervalued and miss a really good player for a long time this season. And now he's getting back in there and the numbers don't reflect it. Things of that nature that will help. I mean, you could argue that's certainly something for Illinois as well. Uh, but I feel like the, the price at home is short enough that I, I like Sparty there. And uh, honestly, I feel like we're into this like Sharpie type of end of season where you're you're betting teams that are not really pretty that have big flaws but uh if the number makes sense and they're at home that's generally where you're going to find me yeah my only concern with your with your pick here is that what we know about illinois and what the metrics factor with illinois there's a there's a gap in their in in their resume where they went six games without terrence shannon and I mean, obviously, you you can't take a guy like Terrence Shannon out of the lineup and expect no drop off. And I I, I want to say they won four out of those six games, but from just a an analytics standpoint, they're probably better than what their analytics say because if they had Terrence Shannon for those six seven games, they'd probably look even better than they have looked. But I I still don't know that that's enough to get me, especially outside of possession, uh, off of uh, off of the home team here. So. Uh, agreement on some Big Ten road do- or on some Big Ten home dogs, I suppose we should say. Uh, all right, there we go. That is another episode in the books of RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. Griffin, thank you as always for your fine work. Uh, feel I, I feel like I can throw anything at you, and you're always ready for it. That uh, that, it's <laughs> it's a good feeling when I, I I feel like you're you. I never throw anything at you, and you go. Mm. I'm not really sure. I don't know what you're talking about. I feel like you're you're very well versed on everybody. <laughs> and we don't really prep these things beforehand. We just kind of go on the fly. So uh, there is something to be said for that because I do pods where sometimes there's like 
man, I, I just don't know what to say here. So uh, I, I appreciate your work. That's one thing you don't have to worry about me as I will always have something to say. Uh, it's usually not the right thing, but something. That, like hey, who cares? It's it's all you know. That's all that matters. You've got if, as long as you're not quiet, no dead air. Uh, that's yeah, Radio 101. Sure. Griffin, thank you as always. Thanks to the audience as always. Griffin mentioned it earlier. Give a five star review. Help us out. Uh, we appreciate that. Let the people know. And uh, we'll be back on Sunday evening with another episode uh, previewing the early week games. Uh, I'm going to be out. For next Thursday's episode, we'll have a fill-in. Griffin will uh, Griffin will take the lead. I'll I'll probably send over my uh, my AJ Swami lines and let you guys work okay. with them there if you want, or you can Great. ignore them totally. Great. I do. I'll, no, no, I I always do because it's a really good prep for me. I basically send AJ a laundry list of every game I'm potentially thinking of betting or picking for a best bet. And then uh, he gives me those and I compare them to the bet online or DraftKings openers. And uh, AJ, I think said, I really, I think I'm good. At I'm getting, this, I'm like getting better. Right. Like it feels like uh more often, yeah, like yeah. if I'm off, it's by like a point. Like, it, so I'm, if I'm off less than a point on something, I feel like I've kind of got it right. Uh, it's very rare that I'm off more than a point. And like, I think there was one this week where I was off two points and I was like, Whoa. And I think we both agreed. That's like, wow, that's a wild, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like, wow, that's surprising. So, yeah, I'm just disappointed we didn't have my uh, Kansas minus four out there to champion that a little bit more against Houston. I, my number was way off. I'll admit that. But you but were on the right side. Like, uh, I got a little bit of credit for it. You were on the right. I think we were both on the right side. Let's just face it. Uh, all right. We will uh, we'll get back with you guys on Sunday. Best of luck to you this weekend and uh, enjoy the games, guys. Later.